Uh, more recently, we've done uh, from actor to producer and using your phone to its full arts potential, which we did yesterday. So if you would like to check those out or any others that we've done, we will put a link in the chat for you for our uh, podcast and YouTube channel. Um, uh, for any of you who are new uh, to these webinars, just to give you a little background on our creative talent program. Um, we aim to support emerging artists and companies um, with business development, sorry, with business development, industry mentorship and support alongside a 2000 pound commission for our new um, project. So that's very exciting. Um, our applications for a second year of our supporting artists is now open. So if you would like to apply, we are looking for companies who specialize in film, stand-up or puppetry and are under 27. We'll put a link for that in the chat for you as well. And uh, these videos are captioned because we are trying to be more accessible. So a, a big thank you to Access All Areas for guiding us through this. Um, if you have any questions, throughout uh, this webinar, just put them in the chat and I will read them out at the end. And yeah, let's get started. Um, my name is Andy Hudekova. I have been with Creative Youth for almost a year now and I'm an actor. I've done some voice acting, which I really love. Um, and I'm also an illustrator and I'm a disabled artist. And with me today, I have two lovely talented people, Nicola and Hamish. Like you guys introduce yourselves. Who will go first? That's yeah. <laughs> Should I go first? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, so I'm Hamish Thompson. I I read scripts predominantly. That's my that's my main income. That's my main job. Uh, I read scripts for companies, including Searchlight Pictures, which is being just which are films which are being distributed by the Walt Disney Company at the moment. Uh, I also have read for Sony Pictures, the BFI Film Four, and BBC Film. Uh, I'm also a trustee on a local arts charity in North Devon called Beaver Arts, and I'm helping them at the moment really focus on transitioning into a new, an emerg uh, very new world of art and creative arts consumption. Um, I think that's really just a very brief introduction as to what I do. Um, hi, I'm Nicola. I am an actor and a screenwriter. I am based in the northwest of England near Manchester. Um, I've been I've been an actor since I left drama school when I was 21. Um, I've had some really, really lovely opportunities and uh, it's, it's great to be here. We're very happy to have you here. Okay, let's get started. Um, so the first question just to get you know a bit better, how did you first get involved in the arts? Nicola? The honest answer is I wanted to be Hermione Granger in the Harry Potter films. <laughs> um, I mean, I didn't Same. get it, spoiler alert, but, um, <laughs> but I just sort of carried on. I realized that I liked acting, I enjoyed it. I was about, must have been about 10, I think. And so Harry Potter was huge at that mm. point. Um, then after that, I wanted to be Fleur Delacour. Um, didn't get that either. But um, sort of ca carried on, carried on, and went to drama school for the two years. Um, and it's 
it's it's just the best career. I spend all my time thinking, am I really working? Um, which I, I think is, I think that's the perfect sort of job, really. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Hamish? Um, I, mine is kind of long. So, so I, at 10 years old, uh, I was invited to go onto a film set for the film sets and drugs and rock and roll. For a 10 year old, obviously that's a very explicit film. <laughs> Like, um, but it's because uh, the reason why I'm disabled is because I, I, when I was younger, I had complications because of the live polio vaccine, which thankfully isn't in existence anymore, but you know, it was great and it served its purpose. Um, but so, so I, my disability is very much an anomaly. So uh, because vaccines are very important right now, I will tell you, get your vaccination. Let me just yeah. get that out of the way, get you back. <laughs> um, but um, you know, I, so I was invited onto that film set and I met, you know, all the wonderful people involved in that film from Andy Serkis to um, the, the writer, Paul Vira and um, the director, Matt Whitecross. But the person I really hit it off with was Damien Jones, who was the producer of that film. And he really, he, he was, he's just a really nice guy and a really great producer. Um, he was really involved early on in a lot of black British stories that were cutting edge and that were, you know, that really weren't afraid to tackle the hard stuff and the hard issues to talk about. And so he took a really keen interest into me and my interest in film and how, you know, how do you tell those kinds of stories? Because I always wanted to be a, you know, a director when I was younger. Um, and so he followed me throughout my career. And when I studied my BA at Falmouth, he was always asking me how I was doing and giving me tips and stuff. But obviously when I graduated, I graduated in the middle of the pandemic, which obviously is not a, great place to graduate and Andy yeah, can also not, not ideal. That, <laughs> yeah. you know um so so I just emailed Damien and I just said how do you make it and he was in the same boat which was really weird seeing you know a BAFTA winner a producer of you know somebody with a first look deal at mm. Searchlight Pictures in the same boat as you because he couldn't make any films at the time yeah so we started talking about the scripts he was getting in and that's how I got into script reading um he started paying me for that and then from there, I started to focus on that as a career. Um, I love story development. I love developing actors or um, not actors. I love developing uh, screenwriters' stories and helping them find the best version of that story. Um, obviously, I don't do that properly because I, I deal with producers mostly. Uh, that's where the bulk of my work is. Um, and so from there, yeah, I've just started building up clients, building up people, getting my name out there and trying to, trying to, to help people find great stories and often I find a lot of terrible stories but you know <laughs> that that's going to happen yeah um, but you know with films coming up soon like Boxing Day and a couple of untitled ones that uh, Damien is working on I'm, I'm very excited about those stories and you know it's you know it's, it, again it's similar to what Nicholas said it you, you're working in an industry where typically it doesn't feel like work yeah um, but you know, that, that I will say that sometimes, you know, it does feel like work, but then most of the time it doesn't feel like work, especially when you're doing five scripts back to back in a week. Yeah, yeah. That's hell. But, you know, it's, it's hell because it's so intensive, but it's also, you know, the rewarding feeling you will get when a, a script you've worked on is on the big screen mm. is, is huge. It's immense. So are you still interested in directing in the future? <laughs> uh, um, not really. No. <laughs> no, I'm going to be honest. I, I think you know, the, 
having directed at film school and Andy was very wonderful to star in my final project. Um, but, um, <laughs> you know, I think for me, directing is very much a very, it's a very intensive role. And I think people shouldn't be afraid to say that you, you know, you've, you've tried that, but it wasn't for you. Yeah, of course. I, yeah. I, I, I tried directing and it's so intensive. Everything's all at once. You want to get your hand in every department. You want mm-hmm. to get your hand in everything that, that's going on. But really for me, I think having a, having done that, having a film being finished in a pandemic that you couldn't really release um, and then having a, you know, having a screenwriter say your tips really helped me. That's, that's a different kind of reward, yeah. rewarding feeling. Um, and I think the the latter is is the one that I I I enjoy the most, frankly. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, next question: What sort of challenges have you faced as a disabled artist? Um, I wasn't always disabled. I became disabled when I was nineteen. Um, okay. I was hit by a taxi. I broke my spine and um, sort of damaged my spinal cord. So I had to go back to to drama school after that. And I spent a lot of time being told that this industry isn't for disabled people. It's not kind to disabled people. There are no, there's no place for people who are disabled. Um, I mean, it got to the the point that I actually was accused of stealing a stick, stealing a crutch, because obviously you're an actor, therefore, you know, you're, you're trying to make everyone pay attention to you yeah um so for a really really long time if I ever had an audition I would hide my stick and I would pretend that I was able-bodied um I've got a, a complex pain syndrome so I'd be in agony for days afterwards but I'd be normal for those those 10 minutes and I was sort of making myself worse and worse and worse because I wanted to I wanted to be seen as able-bodied um, and it wasn't until I sort of accepted actually no I am disabled I met my my agent and realized actually do you know what disability isn't a dirty word there are you know there, there are roles out, out there for me there are uh, people who actually want to see what I can do um, but there is there is a lot of discrimination in the industry that it's still there it's getting better mm-hmm. but it's still there and you do spend a lot of time sort of feeling like you're you've just been hired because you're in a wheelchair they want the wheelchair for the tick for the, <laughs> uh, the we've got the diversity box there yeah um, and I think it's going to take some time before they but, but before they the, the industry in itself realize that you can have a, a disabled pe- person in a main role, you can have a disabled person whose whole being is not about being disabled. Mm. Um, yeah, it's it, it's hard. Um, I, it's getting better. It is getting better. The broadcasters, uh, I think it was twenty seventeen. They pledged that by twenty twenty, they were going to have at least um, 50, 50 They were going to sorry double their. Um, double the rate of disabled people that they hire mm-hmm. by 2020. And they do, you can probably see it on screen now, that we, we have more visibility in 
um, adverts, we have more visibility in television, but there is there is still a really long way to go. You, do you feel like um, it's easy for you as someone in a wheelchair to get a job on stage or like in front of a camera? No, no. Um, not as myself, as somebody in a wheelchair, they'd, they'd want the person. Um, I mean, I, I've been, I have been really, really lucky that recently I'm in a, a play called Cured and it's going to premiere at the Liverpool Royal Court and then it's going to tour. And I think it's like 75% of the cast are disabled. Oh, okay. And it is, it's brilliant. Mm -hmm. There is, you don't have to worry about access requirements. It's the, the able-bodied people who, who sort of live tripping over ramps and everything. Um, so, so we are, we are being seen and I, I do, I think things are changing for the better, but it's gonna, yeah, it's gonna take a while. Yeah. <laughs> Hamish, what do you think? Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, I'll bounce off what Nicola said, you know, visibility is a huge problem because, um, you know, even just reading the day-to-day -day, I the most the majority of scripts involving a disabled person um that I read are inspiration porn you know they are yeah or having to it's about a disabled person overcoming their disability and I often say to producers I work with after reading those scripts I say the, the mindset that an able-bodied person needs to go into a disabled story is we do need to overcome these difficult topics about, you know, films such as Breathe, which was directed by Andy Serkis, was a great example because it, it tackled polio and it tackled polio directly. Mm. Um, in, in the same way that, you know, stories about the African-American experience are tackling, you know, the difficulties of segregation and slavery before it. But I think that with disability, we want to get to a point where we've told those difficult stories that so writers aren't going to say those stories again. So now at this point, we can then have disabled people in the main role in a rom-com, which would typically not be, have a disabled person in a, in, in like a main role in a rom-com, not like me before you, where it was about overcoming the person with the disability. <laughs> yes, yeah. It, it's about, you know, it's about having just somebody with a disability in a rom-com naturally in a natural setting and where yeah. it, the relationships make sense. Yeah. Um, so so that's a huge challenge for me because I'm just reading that from my perspective. I, I know I, th I think Nicola's looking like she really wants to jump in on this. <laughs> no, it's just um, because I, I am a, I'm a screenwriter. I, have a, um, I, I did my master's at Salford. Um, and when I was on BBC Class Act, which was this this big thing for the 32 up and coming disabled actors, mm. um, they said that the reason why there aren't any disabled people being written is because nobody's writing them. And I said, no. well, it's okay. So, so, we, so we said, right, well then we'll write them. I, I'm, I'm currently working with, uh, there's a, an amazing director called Ella Glenn Dinning, who's, she's ace, I love her. Um, and we are writing a sort of a drama comedy series. And every single person who plays the main, every single main character is disabled. It's mentioned that they're disabled in the, in the context of the play, in the context of the show, but their disability actually has nothing to do with the storyline. Mm. Um, it's, it's about a, a girl who gets knocked up on a night out and sort of her relationship with her, her best friend. And we, when I was writing it, I thought, oh my goodness, you, 
are they going to say you, you can't do that you can't have that many disabled people in a room disabled people don't know each other <laughs> actually we if it was any other um if it was any other category we'd go oh yeah you could have you know a whole a whole cast of women you could have a whole cast of men but even now i still feel like oh gosh can i can i do that can i get away with that yeah yeah i think that i think the other issue is that it, it reminds me of the time when a bbc a certain bbc commissioner for drama turned around and said about somebody's script this story isn't black enough Mm. And I was, you know, when I read that, I was like, this this rings true about stories with disability. Yeah. I think the problem that you really need to acknowledge, I think that able-bodied and especially sort of commissioners and and sort of um, producers really need to acknowledge is that there isn't a certain experience for anyone with a disability. Mm. So that's another, like, that's a huge challenge in itself because a disabled writer can write a story about their own experiences with disability and somebody else was was saying disabled people don't really do that do they yeah but they don't know that they don't know that for sure yeah there's so many different experiences and there's so many different disabilities and everyone experience experiences them differently like there's you know so these stories about like yeah, a rom-com with a disabled main character is something like those stories are important like the stories about disabilities are also important but just making more mainstream to seeing disabled people on TV, like that, that's, yeah, that's what I want. Yeah, I think that's all we all want. And that's what I think a lot of commissioners want as well, but they mm. just don't know how to go about it. And yeah. that's because they're not talking to people with disabilities about yeah. how to go about it. Communication, please, it's yes. so important. And actually the fact that disabled people, there's a, a hashtag on Instagram, which is disabled and cute. Uh, <laughs> Disabled people can be cute, we can, we can be hot, you know. And this is something, again, that we spoke about at Class Act, is that BBC, the BBC are doing amazing work mm -hmm. and there are loads of disabled people getting jobs on things like Casualty and Holby City. Yeah. We're the patients, we're the victims, we're not, you know, the mother, the doctor. Um, and I, for some reason, we aren't, we aren't seen that way, even though, you know, I'm, I'm a mum. <laughs> I, I can actually play the part of a, of a mum. Um, I don't don't have to be the person who's been you know, thrown out a window or anything. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, with the push for diversity in the creative industries, do you feel like your needs are being accommodated when you join a new work or project? Yes and no. I think I think it was like you were saying, there are so many different versions of disability. So people don't really know what to do when they meet you. Mm. Um, I've, I've been working, I worked on a big show called Queens of Mystery and they were, they were, they were fabulous there. And actually they, they sort of got ahead of me before I, before I even said it, there were, there were times where they go, oh no, no, we're not, we're not taking you to the, um, the makeup trailers we're going to give you your own special rooms like oh okay fine whatever <laughs> um and that that was a big surprise really um i just worked on a on a film a short film where it's about two disabled people so two people in a wheelchair in wheelchairs they knew i was coming down from near manchester and they went okay yeah you take the tubes to battersea and it's going to be it's like two two three changes and then you'll then you'll get there, and I had to look it up and go. 
it's there's no step free access. You, you, <laughs> no, you no. can't get a wheelchair. The TFL don't <laughs> don't communicate step free access very well. No. <laughs> so that's yeah. yeah. And it's it's not a case of people being people being deliberately dense. They're yeah. not. It's just something that they don't have to think about. Um, and you do often feel like you're putting people out and that you're being difficult, which is the yeah. worst word when you're a woman anyway. But <laughs> <laughs> when you're, you're having to say, look, I, you know, I'm trying not to be a complete ARSA, but you need to look after yourself. You need to know what your limits are, what you need and what your access needs are yeah. and be able to communicate that effectively. And I think, uh, yeah, I, that is all true. And that's all true of stuff that I've done when I was working in productions and stuff. I'm very lucky in that I work from home 90% of the time, um, which for a person with a disability is the dream yeah. I think, for a lot of people. Um, and it's difficult because for most people that's not achievable because a lot of work is was in the office and that's why something like press reset which is the bfi's uh disability networking group and sort of their liaison with the industry is is so vital because it, uh, the people who set it up in from the bfi screen disability advisory group i think it was called um they they set it up because covid had exposed this separation of decentralized working because of COVID. So mm -hmm. you don't have to go to an office anymore. You can work yeah. from home. And it made a point. People with disabilities can be hired and people with disabilities can be accepted in the workplace and yeah, especially exactly. in the creative industries. Um, and so that was one massive initiative that I think helped me out in that it, it made work more accessible. Mm -hmm. But the BFI isn't just helping people work from home, obviously. I think, you know, when we look globally at the, the industry, the screen industries, um, the BFI are the gold standard for inclusion. And I would, I would say that the Step Up scheme, which is another scheme the BFI do for production crews, is another one that's just incredible. They will, they will accommodate all of, your, all of the massive costs that come with freelance work when, you're with a when you have a disability. So, oh. for instance... So, I, you know, for instance, they, they will, um, you know, if you have to stay in accommodation, which is accessible and mm. nearer to the location of work, they will help you find the funds for that or they will provide the funds for that because they recognise there is this problem that yeah. people with disabilities who want to work behind the camera, they can't work behind the camera because there's, there's so, many, so much more money needed to make that possible. Mm. Um, and if it's specific training for the crew they will help with that as well you know so that there are opportunities and I'm because I'm so relatively new as a professional I think you know I've been very fortunate into coming into these opportunities mm. but you know that's not to say there aren't challenges there will be huge challenges um but I will say we're getting there yeah. but it's just going to take a long time and I think people have got to acknowledge that and also to be upfront and honest about that Mm. Um, and be ready to meet those challenges head on. Steps rule the world, unfortunately, particularly in a, particularly on set. You know, those, those steps go up to the production offices, steps to yep. get into the trailers, to get into the makeup um, area. I mean, I, we arrived at um, we arrived at, at the um, the venue to to film a scene, and there's a step to go up into the the restaurant, 
it's like okay so everyone can get in except for the actors yeah <laughs> um and I, it's like I said it, it's being true to yourself and being able to 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 actually advocate for yourself and not be ashamed of that mm. yeah so what do you think could be done better to make creative spaces more welcoming to disabled people I, I think I think this is this kind of question is it, it could be applied to sort of most spaces because there is still this giant stigmatization of disability mm -hmm. across the board you know whether that's physical disability hidden disability or mental health um, you know we, we really need to I think it I think it starts right from the bottom I think it starts with how are relationships taught in schools how are um, how is um, you know friendships and stuff formed in schools you know it how you know being you know I feel I, I can't try and think back to sort of growing up in a tiny village and going to a school that had to be made accessible for me and being you know being kind of stared at all the time because mm -hmm. why is a disabled person in the school yeah um you know that kind of thing and it's the media is is important for that because obviously we want to have more disabled talent on screen and we want them to to be seen and, and to be normalized but also because you know i think where am i going with this train of thought i lost it now <laughs> but it was like you know what I, I think you kind of get what i mean you know we need yeah, to like start across to the board we need this to conversation like behind closed doors not just yeah. in the media yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. That's where I would go with that. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. It's all right. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, how important do you think representation in media is to having disabilities destigmatized in our society? I think it's incredibly important. Um, I want children who have disabilities to know actually they are worth something you know they are not <laughs> disability is hard but it can be something to be proud of because it is a part of you and it's, a, it, it's created who you are today and for for a young person to have that kind of visibility on screen to see somebody who actually looks like them is, is pretty pretty amazing. There was a, I can't remember what her name is, but she was a uh, CBBS presenter and uh, she had a limb difference. And there were, she, there were parents writing in going, oh, my kids are gonna have nightmares. You know, this is awful. Why have you put this somebody like that on, on screen? And actually the BBC said, well, we've also had letters saying that, you know, ch children are going, that person looks like me. This is amazing. And mm -hmm. that's the reason why we have so much diversity on television because we have so much diversity in real life. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously TV is a, and screen is a, a microcosm. So we might have more disabled people on screen than we do, you know, in it generally day to day. But yeah, we, we, do, we do need to people to know that there are people like you out there and they matter and they're important just like you do. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, you know, representation generally is yeah. the reason why I'm working in this industry. Because you don't see yourself on screen when you're disabled. Well, when I was younger, and I'm sure Nicola could agree, yeah. you know, when after, you know, what happened, you know, you, you don't, 
you don't see yourself on screen you see able-bodied people on screen yeah. and so for me it's I was sort of sitting in a you know when I started working it was very difficult for me to pin down why I wanted to work in the film industry the exact reason that I would you know so at a networking event why would I what when I said to people why I was working in the industry what would I say so it went from things like oh, I just thought it was fun or to um you know I want to make people happy I want to bring joy to people um to now being in a position where I've read so many scripts especially the ones which you know really focus on trying to equal this imbalance between all well not all minority groups but from different minority groups in the in the industry you know I I, I say well it's because of that imbalance that's why I'm working in this industry mm. because I want to help fix that imbalance because it doesn't represent the world around us yeah um and and so I think that you know, while I do talk about how it's important in, you know, off media to talk about people with disabilities and things like that, it's, it, it is massively important that we do talk about it in media, otherwise I wouldn't be working in this industry, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way that we tackle that, you know, people will say is a complicated question, but frankly, it's just to get those people involved and just yeah. have them because they will have the expertise, mm-hmm. you know, hire somebody because of their life experience and have them consult on the project because of their life experience. Mm. It doesn't necessarily need to be a charity. It could be a few people with a disability talking to a screenwriter about how do you tackle that issue. Yeah. Um, if, you know, I often say, if you can't get a disabled writer to write it, have disabled writers in the background telling the writer how to write it. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's really important to get input from people who have actually those lived experiences. And like with all representation, it's not just for the the marginalized group that's getting representation, it's for everyone else as well. Because when you see people who are disabled, people who are gay, you know, people of color on, on screen, on TV, it normalizes it. And like, you realize like, oh, these are also people just like me. So it's not, you know, it's for everyone. It's for able-bodied people as well. To it was, stop it was, viewing like disability as this like terrifying thing. Yes, I mean for the people. Yeah, and I, I, I mean this isn't disability related, but I had a, I was on Twitter and I was, I, I saw this really odd tweet in response. It, it was after the film The Mitchells versus the Machines came out, and I love that film. I loved it because so much. It, it's, you know, it's an animated film. I don't work in animation. But I, I love that film because it was, it was a really contemporary take on kind of a family dynamic. But it just so happened that the main protagonist was a lesbian. Yeah. And the way it was written and the way it was shown wasn't, a, you know, it wasn't in your face. Yeah. It was subtly done. So her relationship she was developing was over video chat because she was on a road trip. But, you know, it, it wasn't obvious and then you you know there was little things like a, a tiny button with the lesbian flag on it yeah and i thought you know that's a really nice subtle way to do it but then somebody on twitter said what's the point of having a lesbian you know it it, it's just, it takes away from it takes away from the experience and I, I just said it's it's about people you know and the direct and the producers agreed you know lord and miller are fantastic producers um and they you know that you know they are people they, they're straight but they they absolutely understand the importance with um having or having or the importance of having um a lgbt character in a film in the lead that you know isn't about an lgbt experience yeah 
So they, you know, they just said it's just about people seeing themselves on screen and accepting that, yeah, you might love a woman, you might love a man, you might love a trans woman, you might love a trans man, it doesn't matter. You know, it's, yeah. and it's just very odd that some people are upset about it, but in, I would just say that, you know, there are far more people who are seeing themselves on screen and having a more positive experience than the ones who are getting irate over the tiniest little thing about that. They're just louder. Yeah. yeah. Also to like, uh, to that film, I, another reason why I really loved it is because so many, like the whole family just seemed neurodivergent, like, mm. Yeah, they, they had sense. like certain aspects of like ADHD or autism and I was like I was watching it I was like oh my gosh like it's not the main plot of this story like there's other things happening but I can see that like I can see it in these characters and it was really yeah. like amazing it's really yeah. amazing and you, and you don't yeah and it, it's it's sort of writing characters that I think I think the writer viewed it as as a story of just a really odd misfit family I mean, it, it was, you know, and you can see yourself in that and it was, you know, it, yeah. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't an explicitly disabled film, but it, you know, you could see yourself in it. Yeah. yeah. Which and is, you know, important. yeah, hugely important. Yeah, massively. Yeah. I mean, the, the autistic community have a saying, which is nothing about us without us. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's very, very important for really all, all um, minorities. Um, mm-hmm. And I, and I think think you're right. You're right in saying that actually we do need to move on to a to a point where we are showing people who are disabled, who are um, who, you know who are gay. You know, they, they happen to be gay. You know, it's not their entire story. You know, I happen to be disabled. It's not my entire story. And I, you know, I think Hamish was right about um, about writers about the the importance of. Uh, but writers creating stories like that where it's not somebody's entire story. Yeah. Um, okay, what is something you wish people understood about disability? It's not consistent. Um, I have um, I have complex regional affective pain disorder, which ironically spells crap disorder. Because uh, <laughs> it's... It, it's right. That's how it. That's what it's like. <laughs> um, um, basically, my for the past how old am I now? Past like eleven years, I've my body sort of feels like it's having the accident over and over and over again. So I am in I'm in pain all the time. My usual pain levels are about six, seven, and then it just fluctuates up and down. Yeah. Well, really, usually up, but people don't seem to realize that whilst I might have a very, very bad day, and might just have what I call a bad day where I'm, where I'm, I'm like now, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I don't think disability is, is consistent for quite a lot of people and people don't yeah. seem to realize that. And I think that's where a lot of the accusations of people faking it or using it for attention comes mm-hmm. from because people can't figure out that just because you're in your wheelchair, you know, yesterday, doesn't mean that I'm not using my, I'm not using my crutch today. Yeah. Um, it's just because it's a different day. And um, I, th- I really like the, the spoon theory really about how different, yeah. different activities take different spoons. And so I, you know, I'll, I'd be able to maybe make dinner if I didn't do this. Mm. Because I've done this, my partner will make dinner. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd say the exact same thing, you know, that consistency is a problem and it's, you know, because it, it goes back to that, that one controversial thing of, I, th- I hope that BBC commissioner is, has left, but it was, you know, you, you, you can't say that a dis- one, or one disabled person is going to have the exact same experience as another disabled person because disability is such a broad spectrum yeah. across hidden and physical and, you know, all sorts of things that, you know, that's, that's part of the problem of why we're having the same disabled stories being told over and over again in film. And, you know, because if we acknowledge that there are different experiences with disability, then we won't be telling an inspirational film anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, I, w- I would love to just see a, as I keep saying, I would just love to see a rom-com where a disabled guy is just, you know, maybe even a, a, a rom-com where a disabled guy is a prick, you know, it's fine. You know, you don't have to yeah. make them out to be the greatest people in the world. Yeah. Like, you know, just see, you know, a disabled villain that isn't disabled or that that's, you know, backstory of getting into villainy has nothing yeah. to do with their disability. It's just because they're a dickhead, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, that's what I would like yeah. to see. Yeah. And yeah. it's that consistency that's the problem. It, it, yeah. You know, we need to get out of that. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the big bang theory, one of my favourite lines in that was, disabled people are nice people. Everyone knows that. And I, I think, again, that's something that we do fall into that trap of going, oh, you know, they're disabled, therefore they're pure, they're innocent, they're, yeah. you know, they don't have sex, they don't, you know, they don't swear. Mm. Um, yeah, they don't swear, they don't have sex. Yeah. 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 Um, I think for me, I would say I really want, like, healthy, able-bodied people to realise that there are some things that disabled people are never going to be able to do. And... Mm it's not because we're not trying hard enough. Like a blind person isn't suddenly going to be able to see just because they try hard enough. Like I'm not going to always be 100% and be able to do as much work as a healthy person. It's just not realistic for me. And it's not because I'm not trying hard enough or because I'm not passionate about my work. It's just what my life is like. It's what my disability does to me. Like it's, you know, Mm. yeah. I think because a lot of, like you said, a lot of um, disabled stories are like inspiration porn. And um, yeah, I'm not not a fan of that. Um, Overcoming disability, like you can overcome some difficulties that it brings to you, but you can't overcome the illness itself because it's not going away. Yeah, I think that often happens with the Paralympics as well. They yeah. are superhuman. They've overcome their disability. Yeah. Why can't you do that? It's like, well, you know, because I don't have the same disability. Yeah, and it's the comparing of disabled people as well. It's like, oh, I mean, they're disabled and they can do this. Why can't you do this simpler thing? Like, well, I just can't. I'm sorry. Like, yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, do you ever feel like you get special treatment for being disabled? And if so, how does it make you feel? I mean, I don't have to queue at Disneyland, so I'm not. I'm not complaining about that. <laughs> That's like the best thing about being disabled. Do you want to go around It's a Small World twice? Yeah. Yes. Right. <laughs> it's the only reason my sister takes me. Seriously. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, sometimes, yeah, you do get the the good things, like you don't have to. Q at Disneyland or Alton Towers that's 
I, I, I do sometimes feel a tiny weeny little bit guilty about that, particularly when you're going past loads of small children. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you're like that. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I mean, my, my husband, I, 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 was, I was in my chair and I had a, had a cup of tea and I went, oh, I can't go into that shop because I've got a cup of tea and you're not supposed to bring drinks in. He went, well, mm. you're disabled. You know, they're not, they're not gonna stop you. <laughs> And it's like, that's not true. Uh, I think sometimes it is true. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think there are there are some nice little perks, but it doesn't it doesn't make up for a lot of the other, yeah. other stuff. Yeah. I yeah, I think it I think it it's the same kind of thing. I, I mean obviously apart from Disneyland, that is the that's you know the obvious perk. But I think that there's also the other side of special treatment. You know, you're, the, the word special is a derogatory term. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. You know, when I'm often looked down upon. Well, I mean, I am obviously looked down upon. I'm very small when I'm in my wheelchair. But like, <laughs> yeah, so, but um, I was at a board meeting yesterday for, for a charity I'm working with. And, you know, there was a moment where we were all gathered around a table trying to plan strategy. Um, and so I decided uh, this would be a good time to put my wheelchair to use. So what I did is I, I just rose my wheelchair and they were all just staring at me as I got eye level. I and then immediately I was, immediately I was taken, I, I think I, the, the, I got the feeling I was taken more seriously because I was <laughs> eye level. You know, and so things like that, that, you know, it's, I, I would say the way I would interpret that question would be quite different. You know, special is a derogatory way yeah, because yeah. it's not, you know, and I don't like using the word special in a derogatory way. It's horrible. Mm -hmm. But like, unfortunately, that's what a lot of able body, that's how a lot of able body people see that term and how they would see treating someone with a disability. They would, they have a specific viewpoint in which to, to view us. Yeah. You can be too annoying. nice. Yeah. 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 It's either they're being too nice and it gets like really, really uncomfortable and annoying. Yeah. Um, and then it's like people who are just assholes and they, yeah, they tell you stuff like, oh, you're just being lazy. Yeah. Or yeah. I've been told by a teacher at primary school that I'm a burden to my family because wow. I'm ill instead <laughs> of all my classmates. So, <laughs> like, yeah, it's, yeah, you can. Take your pick. We've all had it, uh, yeah, and I think we've all had experiences like that. I remember I was interested in sound for a certain amount of time when I was younger, mm. and they said, "Oh, you can't go on a film set in a in a powered wheelchair." No, 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 you're going to make too much noise. You're yeah. going to be in the room tone, and I'm like, "Oh, all right." So that put me off sound for a long time, and I was mm. just like, "But," and then in the end, I was just like, "Actually, I can turn my wheelchair off, and I can get room tone. You can just yeah. wait for me to stop." And then I can, and then you get room tone. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's 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 annoying that we've all had experiences like that. But I think those experiences will help shape shape how we change those attitudes in the future. Yeah, yeah. and I, th I think what you're saying, Andy, about communication—that's the most important thing. People will do things because they think it's what's right for us. Yeah. Or and actually, they just need to ask us. Mm -hmm. You know, you mm -hmm. don't you don't need to sort of create all these special things when you could just ask somebody and say, what do you need? Yeah. And I think that's the, that's the important thing. And that's what a lot of, a lot of production start need to do is 
sit down and say to everybody, not just disabled people, what do you need? Yeah. And, they, and then, you know, from a business perspective, you save a lot of money if you just ask them what you need and just get what they need. Yeah. <laughs> not anything more, not anything less. That's what I say to producers sometimes. I'm just saying, you know, I need X, Y, and Z. I don't need the rest of the, you know, I don't need everything else. Just, yeah. just give me what I need and it'll yeah. be fine. If I'm the most disabled person in the room, if somebody needs more than me, then obviously take their needs into account. Yeah. But, you know, for what I need, I just need this. Mm. Yeah. Do you guys know of any resources for disabled artists? Um, I will probably say Dank, which isn't doesn't sound the best thing, but it's the Disabled Artist Networking. Ah, oh, what does the C stand for? Oh, the community. Community. Well done. Yeah, I'm glad you're here. There we go. <laughs> I'm really good when I'm writing down or if I have a script. If it's just me, I I struggle. Um, but yeah. They are really good. They have a um, they have emails twice a week, which will tell you all about their opportunities. Um, so you can have uh, seminars like this with with loads and loads of diverse people who, who are in the industry, and they they are actually really really helpful. And then it also has um, job opportunities as well, not just for acting, but also for artists, writers, or people who are, who are directors, producers um and the breakdowns yeah they are twice a week if you go on their their website and that you subscribe to them you will you will get those uh i would i would plug the bfi's press reset because you know that post-covid it, it became very apparent that people it was an opportunity for people with disabilities to jump right in and be at the forefront of yeah. the re-emergence of the industry and it proved successful and so at the moment we have a whatsapp group that is growing in size but it's it's for professionals who are uh looking for opportunities and also looking to network with other people with disabilities about expanding you know how do we make this industry more welcoming and better for the rest of us um so i think there's a press release on the bfi's website where that information is um if you just google bfi press reset it should come um that that's probably the one I would recommend other than Dank because Dank is just Dank. <laughs> All right, thank you. Um, right, we are running out of time. So our last question, what's any advice that you will give to disabled artists? Don't give up. Believe in who you are. You're, you're clearly here because you're, because you're talented. And like I said, disabled, disability is not a dirty word and don't let anybody make you feel like it is. So surround yourself, not with, not with yes men, but surround yourself with people who will build you up, um, who are realistic, but who you know believe in you. I think, I think that's very, very important. I, I, I would say that and also I would just say embrace it yeah. if you can, if you're, if you're comfortable confident enough to embrace the fact that you've got a disability you have that life experience that a lot of people are craving at the moment they it's need that life experience yeah and you will have a perspective that other people don't have and if your perspective is different to other people's that's a good thing that's a really yeah. good thing yeah you, we need that um that would be my ultimate one just embrace it just if you if you're comfortable embrace it 
put it on your CV somehow. You know, don't do what my teachers told me in secondary school and say, don't talk about your disability. Well, you also, um, if you're on Spotlight and you are disabled, you get it for half price if you're disabled. So, oh, really? Yes, so if you go onto Spotlight, um, I think it's on their frequently asked questions and uh, they will charge you like 75 pounds instead of 150. Yeah, I didn't know about that. They don't, they don't tell people this. Yeah. <laughs> I found out by accident, so yeah. <laughs> All right, well, thank you so much. That's all our questions. Um, if the audience members would like, like to ask any questions, now is your last chance. Um, <laughs> um, right, um, we also have our International Youth Arts Festival happening right now in Kingston until the 12th of July. So if you would like to see some live music and theater, Please come down and join us. Um, and yeah. Um, also, if you would like to watch this again or pass it to a friend, uh, there are the links for our YouTube channel and the podcast in the messages. Oh, we've got a message. Yeah. Okay. Um, and yeah. Finally, we would uh, we would really appreciate any feedback that you want to give us on this session. So there will be a link for that as well in the chat. And yeah, that's it for today. Um, thank you so much to my lovely panelists for being here today. And yeah, hope to see you again sometime. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> thank you.